www.hackinghistorymusic.com. Hello and welcome to the Hack Inc. podcast. Gotta get hack in time. I don't know if I said that one. My name is Gareth Lyons coming in for a quick intro at the start for our latest episode, an interview with animation person, Louise Bagno. So, uh, no sooner did I say that I was going to get back on a regular schedule than my laptop gave up the ghost. The hard drive is safe and sound. A nice man put it in a little baggie and made it an external hard drive. Uh, But while I was waiting for my new laptop to arrive, there was unfortunately no podcast. We'll get back on track now. Maybe do a bi-weekly schedule since it makes it a lot more enjoyable to record and edit and do it at my leisure. Um, So, we have several in the can from as far back as September. So I'm itching to get some of those out to you. Don't leave this intro too long, as the episode is already pushing over the hour mark. I just wanted to alert people to a slightly lower audio quality than usual. I had this episode scheduled for a long time, as Louise is an incredibly busy person with assistant director duties on Cartoon Saloon's new animated feature production, My Father's Dragon. Uh, We get into that a little bit on a bonus episode, which might need a little puffing up before I send it out into the world. So, I recorded this conversation over Skype on an iPad, so that's why it sounds a little rough. I had a separate audio track for myself, um, which I recorded on my girlfriend's computer, but there was a lot of editing involved in that and didn't really seem to have that much of a difference. So I decided to just put it out as is and trust that people aren't audio pedants. In this conversation, we talk about Louise's life and career in animation. We mentioned the short she made, but also bring up Chris O'Hara's short, which I forgot to name. Um, This is his third year submission into Film Fla. I saw it when I was about 17 called getting round and it's in the description below i really like it um we talk about louise's oscar nominated short late afternoon which stealing directly from wikipedia here is a film about an elderly woman coping with dementia she really relives her memories of the past highly recommend you watch it before you hear me shied on about it anyways that's all enjoy the pod and see you in two weeks bye This is, yeah, um, Gareth Lyons, and I'm joined today by Louise Bagno. Hey. Hello. Um, and uh, what, would you, what would you say yourself as? Because I was looking up your, your most comprehensive list of things, because I was like, okay, I'll do like some research. But the main thing is that it's just IMDb, pretty much. And there's a, such a wide collection of roles on there. What would you call yourself? Um... Hmm, I would probably say I am a director, probably director is the easiest because the other option is like creator and that sounds sort of silly. Yeah, exactly. I used to say creative, um, but my girlfriend thinks it's the most obnoxious thing to call yourself. So yeah, (laughs) it's not like a, it's not really a phrase that humans use, if you know what I mean. (laughs) It sort of sounds like... Yeah, it just doesn't really sound like things that people would say out loud. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to come up with an all-rounder term because I also, you know, um, I, it's just so annoying that all of these terms are so pretentious because I was looking at, like, the idea of, like, troubadours and things like this. And I was like, oh, God, I'm not going to call myself that. But you know what I mean? Like, a kind of all-rounder who does, like, you know, that I tell tales, I animate them from town to town, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> storyteller or something yeah, yeah. Um, professional storyteller and it's on my business card and everything so yeah, yeah. um so I guess uh to, well, let's start from the start then what uh, what got you into animation in the first place 
Uh, I think um, when I was in school, um, I just I just really liked art. I mean, it's it's kind of a tale as old as time. I just really mm. liked art and I liked uh, particularly like drawing. And when I was a teenager, I started reading comics. And I think comics were the thing that I really wanted to do initially. Um, and then when I found out about animation, uh, as that like as in you could actually like learn how to be an animator I was really drawn to that because I thought that it would help me to get better at drawing uh, mm. which was essentially what I just really wanted to get better at um, and then once I got into animation I really enjoyed the storytelling side of it so I actually enjoyed like you know creating stories which I think is also why I liked comics and mm. uh, so much so I think then animation became more viable as a kind of as a like a thing to do rather than comics yeah. uh, and I kind of went towards that more than yeah and what type of um, comics or animation were you into then that kind of led you down that path uh well like when I was early you know at first it was just like your ordinary comics like your Marvel comics and X-Men and all that kind of stuff and then when I was, uh, I think when I was like 16 or something, I started reading, um, like there was like, they started releasing collected Tank Girl comics. Okay. And they were also, I was started reading, um, I started reading some of the more alternative comics. Now, at the time, it was much harder to find I'm sure. alternative <laughs> comics. Um, and I wasn't really, like, I wasn't really uh, online much. Uh, again because that wasn't really as much of a thing then for me mm. anyway um so a lot of the comics i read i was just the ones i found in basically forbidden planet yeah um, but where so were you based find... as well what where were you based uh oh i was in dublin oh, okay yeah. yeah you're from dublin okay yeah sorry yeah yeah and um i essentially then i started reading probably more interesting comics um and image started to release more kind of interesting stuff too so kind of was reading uh like Jim Mayfood and um Scott Morris was a really big influence on me mm. uh, probably probably the biggest influence on me when I was in college was Scott Morris's comics right um so uh yeah I think that there were things that like so there was Tank Girl and Scott Morris which are like very opposites yeah well, <laughs> in terms time of stories they are but yeah it took me ages because like I was I think my first introduction to like Jamie Hewlett would have been Gorillas, and I was like obsessed. I used to try and follow the lore, even though it was incredibly complicated, you know, and oh, yeah. mostly just written down. But that was I was obsessed with like canon, pretty much. You know? Yeah. So and the drawings were great, and the music, obviously. I mean, the whole package was great. Oh yeah. But then, but then when, but then I kind of was like, oh, and he created Tanker, and then so for ages in my head, I was like, oh, I have to get Tanker. I have to find Tanker. I have to hunted down and um yeah i think i only got like a comic in a, in college and then i it was i could not make sense of it at all <laughs> you know? yeah it there's was a big range there's a big range yeah. of tanker because obviously he started off like when he was in college um right. you know the, it was started off like when he was fairly young um, so the start, the beginning of Tanker, like it looks quite different to how it ended up, and really? also the storyline is just like it's just crazy in terms of there's no uh, canon, you know, things mm. just uh, change, uh, which I kind of liked because it's kind it's very kind of um, 
it's sort of free form. <laughs> it's sort of whatever yeah. story they wanted to tell, they just wrote it and they didn't worry about they didn't worry that much about if they, you know, contradicted something they'd previously established. Uh, I kind of just like the chaotic, uh, you know, energy that they had in the comics. Um, yeah. And then, like, you know, he, but he himself, you know, we can kind of see the evolution in the comics. Like, he, he was an amazing artist, and he's yeah. still in, and the evolution of the style is there, and that was really cool as well. I mean, he's really good. <laughs> he was just Yeah, he's artist. amazing. And one of my favorites, there's a, a documentary called Bananas. I don't know if you've seen it. No. Um, it's a kind of, uh, I think it follows the making of the Gorillas and their first album and then the second album as well. But um, like he is just, they are real into the kind of hyper reality and, um, or he is anyways, but there's an amazing, I guess I just really liked how angry he was all the time and pissed off that people could not understand everything that they were doing with the Gorillas. Um, and even pissed off to the point that he was annoyed with Damon Albarn for like breaking character and things like this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like he's he's very holistic type of creator, and uh, yeah, I think that's a you know, yeah, just the whole. I have to do something about that sometime. But yeah, there was there was one time where he they hired like a voice actor to play like Murdoch for yeah. interviews, and then uh, Damon Albarn is meant to be two D, and it's like a radio interview, and. Um, you know, the Murdoch guy is like killing it, just improvising and everything. And then they hand it over to Damon uh, Alburn and he just kind of is talking for a bit as 2D. And he's like, oh, I'm going to put you back on, on the phone now to Damon. And he's like, yeah, it's just like uh, kind of a little project we're working on and it's kind of cartoons and this, that and the other. And they were, they put in the documentary the bit afterwards where like Jamie Hewlett is just like absolutely raging at him, like just yeah. so annoyed that he was like, just because you couldn't stay on the phone for fucking 20 minutes, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, like an incredible personality as well. But um, mm-hmm. but yes, um, so then my experience with when I kind of, it was kind of funny because of the marriage with animation or the way most, the way I found out about it was because like of Sullivan and Bluth, it kind of gave people an idea that, oh, there's actually jobs in this. So when I said, oh, I'm into drawing and writing and making things, people were like, oh, so animation, do you know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and I suppose you're based in Dublin. You were based in Dublin as well. So was there much talk about the colleges, um, you know, when uh, you were in secondary school? And where did you, why did you decide to um, choose the third level institute you did, I guess? You know, uh, when I was at when I was in school, I guess um, nobody in my school was talking about animation. Mm. Uh, but they, you were kind of encouraged to, you know, try and figure out what you wanted to do. And I basically, because I knew I want, I my my top thing to do was to try and become uh, basically better at drawing. So I uh, I kind of just found out about animation from essentially literally just looking at what courses you could do. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then there was essentially there's two op there was two options when I was graduating, uh, where or it seemed like there was two main options. One was Ballyfermot and one was uh, uh, IADT. So I went to, I, I decided that probably, I went to the open days and uh, IADT kind of was more convenient for me because uh, it was literally, I could get there from where I lived. So it meant yeah. I would pay rent, you know, I could live at home. Yeah. 
uh, which isn't exactly, you know, it's not ideal either, but I mean, it's still way easier. Uh, but then the other thing was they were going just the year that I would be starting. They decided to make the course in Dunleary four years instead of three. So they okay. made the IDT course four years. So they just literally were turning it as I was finishing school. They were turning it into a degree course. So then it became like, well, I can either go for the degree course, which is four years, or I could go to Ballyfermot, which is three years. And then I know you could do a degree, but you had to go over, I think you had to do one to the UK or Wolverhampton mm. or something. So for me, like it just seemed kind of obvious that it made sense to go to Dunleary. Yeah, sure. Um, but I do also remember I uh, I kind of wanted to hedge my bet. So I um, I applied for the year-long portfolio course in Ballyfermot in case I didn't get into Dunleary. Yeah. And I remember going over there with my portfolio and <laughs> I don't know who it was at the time. But whoever it was that it, like looked through my portfolio, and this is just for the year-long portfolio course for animation, they tried to essentially, they were trying to tell me that I didn't want to do it. Really? Yeah, it was really weird. They were like looking through my portfolio and they were like, oh, are you sure you want to do animation? And I said, yeah, yeah, definitely want to do animation. They said, yeah, but you know, there's a lot of life drawing in the portfolio course. You know, you could do a fine art portfolio course instead. And I said, no, no, I, I really want to do animation. And they said, yeah, but, you know, you'll be doing loads of life drawing and I don't think you'll like that. And I was like, no, I do want to do that. That's so, <laughs> so weird. I actually don't think I even got in. I don't think, I think they didn't let, I think they just said, no, 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 we'll put you in the other portfolio course for fine art. And I was like, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> But That's anyway, insane. it didn't matter because I didn't, uh, I got enough points uh, to get into Dunleary. And at the time, like, I think it's in high demand now as a course, but at the time it wasn't as high demand. Uh, so mm. it wasn't as tricky to get into the course, which I think was good because, well, I mean, it was definitely good for me because I don't, I didn't uh, ace my portfolio or anything. So right. I think it just goes to show that, you know, you can be, you know, if you're 18 years old and you're finishing school, it's very hard to actually judge people's abilities or what their potential is. I think. Oh yeah, completely. You know, <laughs> that happens, that happens all the time. Like, there's so many friends of mine who have stories that are like that, where they just go like, um, just a teacher just saying to them when they're 18, like, oh no, no, this isn't for you. You're not going to make it. You know what I mean? You're definitely going to fail and all this. And it's kind of like, why would you say that to anybody? That's what I would, like. Yeah, I guess know? they're. I guess they're worried that like they maybe they can see something that you can't see. Um, mm. but I I think in general it's probably better to just encourage rather than discourage. If you're passionate about something, yeah, you can learn. And I mean that that's what I always feel about um with with animation is like firstly you don't have to be good at drawing because there's lots yeah. of in animation, but also like if you really want to be an animator, like a lot of it is just about constant like you know just make practice and experience you know and just yeah. constantly working towards it so I don't know I think with with enough dedication a lot of people could learn um you know could could become good animators even if they're not amazing to begin with and stuff so uh yeah I, I was just I was quite driven yeah uh, it was I was quite headstrong about what I wanted to do so that was that <laughs> it was funny because like Niall McGillicool was telling me like I'd be just having moments of despair and then he just says like um he said something like, oh, yeah, the all the, was it, the nine old men all learned to animate when they were, like, 35, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, you, they did come from, like, a fine art background, I believe, I don't know, and some of them were, like, architects or some shit, you know what I mean? But, like, yeah. there is this kind of, probably, like, this, 
huge discipline that was involved. So they didn't come in like with nothing, but um, there is always that element where it's like, yeah, you're, you know, if as long as you want it enough, you can probably make it happen if you just kind of, you know, um, focus in on something. Yeah, and I mean, like, it, it depends as well on, you know, you you know, the stuff that we see, for for example, like with the Nine Old Men, it's like, we're always focusing on the absolute best, the pinnacle of mm. their careers, uh, which are quite, mostly quite long, I think. But, yeah. You know, with all this kind of stuff, you know, and it's the same with your favorite artist, you know, uh, if you have a favorite artist or a favorite, you know, group of artists, and, you know, a lot of time you're looking at their absolute, your their favorite piece, you know, your favorite piece yeah, of theirs. Sure. But, you know, <laughs> you can't judge yourself against that because that's literally the best of the best piece, like, of mm. your own taste. So you have to kind of work towards something and you have to try different things. And if you're too worried about the outcome not being what you, uh, what the standard that you want, then I think mm. it'll just be very hard to keep working towards it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, there was, um, yeah, somebody, there was another thing about, like, what was it? the panel you put up for your storyboard portfolio versus the one that you actually use on the day. And it's like, you know, two stick men talking to each other oh, yeah. versus like a full portrait, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, like, yeah. I think like storyboards, it's interesting. I mean, I'm not a very experienced storyboarder, um, but like, uh, you know, online there's some crazy, amazing storyboards being put up, but they're also extremely um, like they're almost, animated uh, boards and they're really sophisticated mm. and that's cool and I do think for some jobs that's exactly what they want uh, but like for a lot of storyboarding positions that's not really what yeah. what's required and in fact it's not really what's wanted because what's wanted might be much more to do with like speed i.e you know just trying to bash out ideas rather than yeah totally. to the point where they're like almost animated so yeah and you kind of wonder if are they taking kind of agency away from animators as well it's like you know that they also have a role to play as well i mean well depends i think what like, project it is yeah i think that in like what's actually happening is that i think they want the storyboarders to literally create sometimes essentially the layout poses uh so mm. kind of key poses for characters and that's used by the animators to kind of um to keep things on track especially yeah. when it's going over seas or something like that. It's been done in a different studio. Uh, and essentially that's knocking out one job there, which is uh, the person who would do layout poses uh, mm. of the, of the characters. Uh, so I, I, it's, it's, you know, it's not really changing it that much, except that it's putting a lot more on, on one person's plate, you know, right, you have sure, a lot yeah. of different abilities if you're going to do that job. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what, and so what year did you finish college at? Uh, I graduated 2007. Yeah. Okay, cool. And I remember I was talking about this before, but like when I was like making kind of decisions about where I was going to be going to college, I was, I was based in Galway. So I went to the fly all the time. And mm. so there was like a collection of shorts and, you know, the best shorts always tended to have IADT at the end of them. So, mm. but one of the ones that I remember was uh, Marmalade, if I'm getting that right. Mm. Yeah. yeah was that your third or fourth year film that was my fourth year film yeah okay cool yeah, yeah. no it was like this gorgeous uh thing but it was it was mixed with that and i now do i have this wrong as well it was chris o'hara did one for like in third year that was in the fla the year that your fourth year one was in Does that Probably, make sense? yeah 
Yeah, yeah. he had a couple of great films. He yeah, it was one with like a circle. Yeah, yeah, and we had like it's mad to think about it because like uh, like I said, I graduated in two thousand seven, so mm. my final year was two thousand six, two thousand seven, and. Uh, uh, I was like, I made that that film on paper, you know. Okay. That was, like that's there wasn't a pro. Like I mean, we had Flash, but otherwise there wasn't really a program that you could mm. use to make to do like essentially two D animation. Uh, so I I did that on paper, and a lot of people in my class did. But I think that was like right at the end of that happening. Yeah, uh, sure. And like of course in 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 Ireland, you know, Cartoon Saloon, we're making. Secret of Kells, which is also yeah. on paper. So, you know, it's weird to think... Was that animated on paper? Yeah, yeah. I did not that know that. That was paper okay. animation, you know? Oh, my Just God. Just stacked of it up in the studio. Holy um, crap. But I think what's funny is, like, we haven't, like... Okay, that's over 10 years ago now, so it's not like it's it's recent history. It's it's, But it's still pretty recently, like, we were animating mm. on paper. And, uh, you know, it's interest, it's interesting to think about how... How much has happened in the last 10 years that I'm Even, such a big evolution. When, you know, like Bluth came as well, it's like a comparatively short amount of time, you know? I found like uh, when you take it into account, like, you know, I don't know, I guess the American tradition of animation, do you know what I mean? Or um, in Japan as well, you know, that there was like this long history of people making cartoons. And then, anyway, yeah, it's like, wedged into this like 30 year period there's just like it's, it's about the it's like when you see like a, an atari console versus like a ps4 or something you know yeah 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 yeah, um, yeah it was great actually i saw there's a video i was sent the last day of the opening of like bally Fermat and oh, I see. Um, yeah oh and god some it's mad like it just kind of shows yeah. you so, like when that i mean bally Fermat. Uh, chorus was there when some Bluth was there so mm. and it makes sense you know that like things were made for that reason yeah um, and uh, you know it's not a bad foundation um, and I do I do think that like that's why I was saying about softwares is like if you can animate or if you can animate in general mm. then you can kind of learn different softwares yeah you know but I'm, I'm now not, I'm in saying that I'm not really an animator much anymore sure um, yeah I, I kind of tend to do the other stuff now. Um, so when you left college then, um, was, was this like the, um, sorry, uh, I saw on your IMDB that you had, uh, but was, this was like your framework. So did you pretty much get a framework straight out of college? No, I got a short short. So there was another oh. funding scheme called short short at the time, uh, which was much smaller. It was really small budget and it was supposed to be like three minutes or less, I think. I think by mm. that's long and uh, I, I pitched for one I can't remember what time of the year it was I think I was already graduated graduated and I pitched for one uh, and then I got the funding for that but you know the budget was small enough that basically I think it was 15,000 euros okay I think it had to be, <laughs> here's the other thing it had to be delivered on film wow actual film which meant that one of the deliveries was on film and at the time it cost about a thousand euros a minute put something on film so (laughs) it was fifteen thousand for the for the budget but three thousand had to go to putting it on film at the end (laughs) that's madness yeah yeah so basically uh, i made that at barley films uh barry o'donoghue's uh studio 
and essentially I just worked on it myself it was just me working on it for like six months or seven months or something like that uh, and this was and was this straight out of college or was this like a few a year after or something no no that was pretty much like that was pretty much like just after the summer after I graduated okay well that's good well it's a good deal I mean, I mean Good deal in some ways, other ways maybe maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I was fairly, I was fairly green, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then on the when I was working on that short short, I submitted a frameworks application and I got mm. it. So right after I finished that short short, the next autumn I started working on the frameworks. In, oh wow! In Bali as well, so it was kind of one came after the other. So I basically made two short films out of college. And the frame and the donkey donkey was the frameworks, and we made that on paper. Oh wow! Yeah, so that was two thousand and eight, mm. uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So we animated donkey on paper, and uh, that was a bit of a a little bit more budget. So I a few few people helped me aid on that. So Evan, yeah. for example, helped me aid on that film a good bit. Yeah. And patron saint to the show. No. Um, yeah. Well, he, he could be. I don't know. I don't know why I said that. I don't know where that came from, but I know Evan, so that's why I felt like, oh, yes, that yeah. person. Um, well, Evan's in, yeah, like we, I was friends, like, I mean, Evan was in my year in, in college. Mm. And uh, we, there was a good few of us that were still kind of working together on different things every now and again. Yeah. Um, Great. So then um, I was noticing on your thing that you worked then in, in Boulder after that. So when, when did that kind of start, basically? So essentially, once I finished the, the donkey film, uh, which was in summer 2009, then I was looking for another job after that. And uh, Boulder were hiring people on Gumball, the first series mm. for, for the first series of Gumball. And um, I kind of because I'd made two short films after college, uh, which was a, a cool experience, but it wasn't really, um, it wasn't really like industry in the way of like, I hadn't really worked on a production that I wasn't the director. Yeah, of. sure. Yeah. So it was very different. Like, I just felt like maybe I could, I just wanted to learn uh, kind of from other people a bit more. And so I, I did, uh, I went to Boulder then and I worked on Gumball, which was uh, made in flash and, it was a really great experience. It was a very crazy production um, because it was the first series and it was, you know, Cartoon Network's first, I think it was one of their first series or maybe in a long time anyway that they made outside of the USA. Okay. So, uh, you know, it was just quite unusual and I I don't know, it, it was a great experience though and I met a lot of amazing people in Boulder um, and I learned a lot, which is kind of what I was eager for, which is like really yeah. learned... Uh, a lot and like very uh, kind of become became very comfortable working in flash um as well from that experience so that was cool that was cool and then you kind of moved on to cartoon saloon from there and then kind of got into the well actually yeah. after gumball finished i uh, i was a bit worried because i didn't get another job for a little while okay or at least i didn't see any other jobs coming that soon so i uh, i actually went over to the animation workshop and studied 3d for okay yeah they have a professional course there where you can learn you can kind of upskill and i did like a 3d animation course so i was actually over there in denmark in viborg for uh, three and a half months in like 2011 mm. i think it was 2011 and then when I was over there, I heard about this course called the ASF, which is called, which stands for um, 
Animation Sans Frontier. And that's basically an EU-wide course, an initiative that's sort of um, set up to help animation graduates kind of to get them onto the next stage. So uh, producers and creators to kind of develop projects together and to um, sort of to learn how to pitch them and to mm. learn how to develop them up to sort of an industry standard. Um, so that was a course that I applied for in 2011 and I got in. So essentially that meant between 2011 and 2012, you spent like uh, two weeks in four different uh, colleges around Europe, uh, basically doing like workshops for the whole two. Each session was like two weeks of workshops. Right. So that was a really good learning experience. And I met lots of great people on that. And uh, and then I came back to Ireland and I worked in Boulder again for about six or seven months. Mm. Uh, and then because one of the courses uh, that I did was in Germany, in uh, Ludwigsburg, near the uh, basically at the Film Academy, uh, I actually, they were doing the second series of Gumball over in Studio Soy. Mm. And uh, I thought I'd quite like to work on Gumball again. So I applied for that over there in Germany. So I actually moved over to Germany for about uh, nine, ten months in two thousand. That's great. Yeah, and I was working over there on second series of Gumball. That's um, incredible. Is that you like to show? That's that's kind of well. I mean, like maybe other places, but in Ireland, it's it's quite rare to be like, oh, I like that so much that I want to work on it. I would move to work on it again. You know. Yeah, I think like I think the other appeal was like I really love Studio Soy and mm. they've made some amazing projects and they have a really good standard. Uh, you know, I mean they made the the Gruffalo and all those kind of beautiful uh, Christmas specials. Is that the one in CGI or is that a different one? CGI, yeah, yeah. They're generally a three D studio, but they did do two D. They do two D as well mm. uh, on things like Gumball. Um, um, but they were just I just want and I just kind of was eager as well to just to just go somewhere else to live somewhere else sure yeah and so it was a really good experience and then um when i was um, over there that that's over in stuttgart in germany near stuttgart in ludwigsburg and uh that was the same year 2012 was the same year that ireland was featured in annecy yeah of course so i actually we drove with my partner we drove to annecy from uh, germany which was great experience mm. as well and uh that summer i met tom moore at annecy now, I'd met Tom Moore before, but only in passing. And um, he was talking about that he would be crewing up that autumn on another on a new feature film. Yeah. And I was really interested in that. Uh, I'd never really worked for Cartoon Saloon. And I was too intimidated, really, when I first graduated. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. And but also, you know, I just I hadn't really thought about it enough. And then when I heard that they were going to be crewing up, I thought, well, that's something I'd really like to work on. So when I finished on Gumball season two, I um, I applied to work on Song of the Sea uh, on the posing on the posing team for that. Um, and yeah. so when I came back to Ireland, I did a test and stuff. And then I basically started started in Cartoon Saloon at the beginning of 2013. Yeah. OK. Right, yeah, I have my timeline all off then. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, and so then kind of, I mean, you've kind of been darting around a lot in this thing as well. So how do you kind of end up settling in a studio and kind of eventually getting to where you're at now, where you kind of made uh, an Oscar-nominated short, essentially? 
Yeah, well, no. I think when I started in Cartoon Saloon, um, they were obviously we were making a feature film, so that was my main thing. But at the same time, oh yeah, the same time I was also making a late night work club film. Oh so yes, start, oh sorry, yeah. I forgot to tell you about that. Um, they we we did a hack screening and um, we were doing um, Halloween one. Anyway, so obviously we were like going oh, to yeah. ghost stories, um, yeah. but yeah, like I completely forgot. I was going through it. I was like, God, there's a lot of Irish people in this. I had completely. Yeah, yeah um, it was. It was yeah. cool. It was really cool to be part of that. And yeah. I started working on a short for that when I was living in Germany, and then I finished it off when I moved back to Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I after that, then I was still obviously working in saloon in in cartoon saloon, and uh, what I really liked there. What I really liked when I started was it wasn't very long afterwards that um basically uh Paul Young was asking if anybody had any pitches that they wanted mm. to the studio and I was essentially looking for a place where I could develop um pro projects and that yeah. I could make projects and uh it hadn't really worked out at the studios I'd been in before. So I took took them up on the offer and I pitched them a couple of projects. And they uh, they took those and we started developing them. So for me, it was just the right uh, a kind of coming into Cartoon Saloon. It was the right time for me because I was looking for kind of a studio or a place where I could develop projects and that I could help more in development of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really happy to do that. And that was like, you know, my main job was still uh, on Song of the Sea and then afterwards on uh, Puff and Rock. Um, but then there'd be times where I'd also be developing uh, projects. So that kind of that kind of um, really appealed to me. So I, I kept working in the saloon. And then in uh, 2016, I pitched them a short film that I wanted to apply to the for Frameworks funding. Yeah. Uh, so I pitched them the idea of late afternoon and uh, I hadn't gotten a script yet. So they they were happy for me to apply, you know, through car, you know, with Cartoon Saloon as the main production studio, and uh, I just then had to go actually and write the script. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and uh, so do you you yeah. do a lot of writing yourself as well, or is it just? Um, I would have said uh, a few years ago I wouldn't have said I was a writer at all. Mm. Um, I wasn't really. I'm not. I'm still not really. I'm not the most eloquent writer. It's not my strong suit, but I do find that writing is a lot quicker than drawing pictures for the same thing, which sounds obvious, but, you know, it is really a lot quicker. So you can get ideas out a lot faster and you can do, you know, you can do many drafts of a a thing written down Mm. in in a much faster time than you can if it's a visual, visual thumbnails or something like that. So uh, I generally still explore a lot in my sketchbook, but um, now I find that once I've sort of become more interested in an idea, I'll just try and write it. I write it down, and uh, yeah. just for myself, I'll just try and write stuff down more now. Um, and then I find like uh, if I really like an idea and I've thought about it a lot before I start writing a script, then generally it's a lot easier writing the script. Sure. Yeah. Of course. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So you pitched to. Uh, saloon with this and and then kind of developed it from there basically yeah so I already had the um I to be honest like I'd already had the idea a couple of years beforehand but it it, it, I kind of needed to know exactly what I wanted the film to be before I talked to anybody else about it I just Mm. 
I just wanted to understand why I wanted to make it first um, and then I felt I could pitch it. So uh, once I pitched to them, then I had, I think it was only about three or four weeks before the frameworks deadline. So we didn't have that much time. Right. Uh, so I just wrote the script. And we put together some images that I had um, from my sketchbook and my producer, Nuria, came on board. She's amazing. Um, yeah. And she put together schedules and, you know, budgets and all the other stuff that's needed for the submission. And then we sent it in and uh, and then, of course, then, you know, you're you kind of forget about it for a few weeks. And then uh, we heard back that we got shortlisted and then you have another round of sort of um, trying to get more material uh, ready for a shortlisted interview. And then, yeah, and then we did that. And again, you kind of forget about it for a couple of months and then find out we got the funding. So that was kind of uh, towards like autumn autumn in 2016 we started making late afternoon mm-hmm. um and we had about i think the schedule was about nine or ten months so we just we just dove straight in and yeah. went in for it yeah. and did you kind of that was your only project then you were kind of able to devote your time to it i guess yeah i think i was <laughs> i had thought in my head that once it got late enough on in the project i would probably not need to be on a full time yeah. which wasn't, wasn't, wasn't the case at all. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just, it's a lot of work. Um, so basically I was on that full time for the whole, the whole duration. Um, yeah. so that was kind of like a lot of my year, 2000 and but like, yeah, between 2016, 2017, that was, and you had like, um, would you have had, would you have had access to a lot of the, well, obviously the, the equipment and facilities of the saloon, but also like any of the people involved or was it kind of like a project that they treated like a cartoon saloon project or was it kind of under the banner, but very much, you know, you're crewing up yourself and taking care of that type of stuff? Yeah, no, no, it was definitely underneath cartoon saloon. Um, you know, so we were part of the, you know, studio in that sense. We were yeah. all together in the building. So, for example, when I was starting off at the beginning, I was working on the trailer. No, I was working, sorry, on the automatic for uh, late afternoon. And I think Tom Moore and Ross were working on the trailer for Wolfwalkers. Right. So we were all working on that in the same room. And uh, I was showing like, so I'd get feedback from on the animatic from Tom and Nora and Paul and, and different people around the studio. And then um, as like my producer Nuria was working on different projects in the saloon as well as mine. Mm. Um, but she would, she would make sure that like essentially, you know, that things got done in a timely fashion on my project. And, uh, and then we, what we were able to do is we were able to borrow people sometimes from other productions. Sure um like especially if they they were starting a new kind of tv series in the saloon at the time so some people had like uh you know a month between one project and the other and then we mm. kind of we'd get them for that month uh or something like that so we kind of they were able to be flexible with some people in there and you know it's just tricky because with the frameworks it's not really ever quite enough money to do it mm. so it's always going to be you're always kind of limited in terms of your resources. Uh, so you have to be very kind of economical with uh, how you manage your time and where you want to spend the resources. Yeah. Um, but the studio definitely helped to kind of like keep the costs low by, you know, just by making things easier for us. And sure. um, yeah, yeah. And um, I suppose what was the, 
like where did this is such a dumb question but like where did this kind of idea come from then and how did it kind of generate um over time and also actually now that i remember what i was going to initially ask did you uh, create the animatic and storyboard pro um yes i did uh wait did i yeah no i used storyboard pro which was my first time using storyboard pro before that i used to just use uh i used flash for boarding mm. And I think I initially did use flash for boarding uh, late afternoon, and then I switched to storyboard pro because uh, we had we had a copy in the studio. Sure. Uh, and it's it was cool. Yeah, it was it was handy. It's probably a bit more. E it's a bit easier to storyboard in than flash, uh, but no software I find is perfect for storyboarding in. Um, yeah, sure. But yeah, no. And what I liked about it was that the drawing tools are quite uh, clunky in it, and that's probably a good thing because it means that you don't worry about how pretty looking. Your boards yeah, are completely. Yeah. So that, well, that's what I find, and I think that's for me. That's a good, uh, you know, it's good because it just just means I don't waste time trying to make things look nicer. Oh yeah, completely. That's what I found yeah. as well. With my first introduction to it was just yeah, the, as you're saying, the kind of these rough, um, hairy looking drawings. Um, but um, yeah, no, it allows you to kind of you know just move on to the next bit and kind of it also makes it more active as well you start to kind of think about things that you wouldn't have otherwise thought about if you were getting too precious with one drawing yeah exactly yeah mm. so uh for me it, it worked pretty well um and then uh, i mean i was i'm using i was using it in a fairly basic way yeah um and then uh so where did the idea came from yeah it's kind of so I didn't really, I can't really pinpoint where it came from exactly, except that like in my sketchbooks, I generally, when I'm drawing stuff, sometimes I'm just not really thinking about what I'm drawing, but it kind of helps sometimes to spark ideas. Yeah. Um, and I had this idea about wanting to make a film about um, a kind of an inner world of uh, a woman and her like kind of how it connects into her whole life, how her own identity and how she thinks about herself which is a very vague kind of, uh, mm. you know, desire to make a film about that. Um, but when the kind of idea began to kind of coalesce, it worked kind of, I wanted the film to basically be something that you could watch without having to, you know, like something that a, an ordinary audience, non-animator person could watch and engage with. Uh, yeah, I didn't sure. want it to be too cerebral. Um, so I kind of wanted to, so that helped to kind of help help me define the edges of the narrative. And mm. then as I was developing it more in depth and writing it and things like that, then I became more influenced by my own, you know, my own memories of my own grandparents and things like that, which mm. who didn't have uh, dementia, but it's just there were certain things that I, it made me think about a lot more and that, that sort of stuff that began to influence a bit more about the details and the voices of the characters and things like that. Yeah, I guess like my grandfather did, um, um, yeah, I guess he suffered from dementia at the end. I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell because he was like very cognizant until he kind of, you know, through necessity, basically he had to go to a home and um, yeah, it was kind of like a bit of a deterioration from there. Mm. So I guess that like the thing that really spoke to me is that there was a lot of like um, fear when I was going in to visit him because it's kind of this place where you see kind of people in the late stages of their life and you start to kind of fear about your own mortality but the thing that was so good about this short was that it was kind of 
yeah, it, it was, you know, there are, there is a fear in it as well, obviously, but like, you know, but there is a, a real joy of it, which kind of really spoke to me and, you know, just, I don't know. Yeah. I know I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I just really enjoyed the, the kind of idea that, you know, looking at life holistically as opposed to like, Oh, it's this deterioration. It's like, no, actually mm-hmm. like it's this kind of, uh, as you know, you wouldn't look at some, you know, little, some infant growing up and be like, Oh my God, how pathetic they can't walk or whatever. You know, yeah. It's like, yeah. it's another stage of the process and it can be, just as kind of warm and fulfilling and filled with meaningful experiences as any other stage of, you know, yeah. life. So, yeah, I, I just kind of, yeah, I think that that, you know, I don't know. And now I'm just, now I'm just talking about my opinions on it, but basically that's, uh, I'm, I really love the film. I thought it was amazing. Mm. Um, I think the thing was like, it's, I think when you look at it, the situation from the outside, uh, if you're just looking at that p- part of somebody's life, it's very sad. Yeah, exactly. And it is very hard for, um, you know, people who are, you know, family members and, and people who know, can see what's happened. And, you know, that's the hardest point of view on it, I think, in a way. Mm. So I try to put the point of view of the film more inside the mind of, you know, inside the problem in a way. Um, yeah, of course. I, and I just wanted to focus it more on, like you said, like less about that particular, it's less about, you know, the tragedy of that happening and more about like all of the things throughout your life that you know Mm. uh different things ups and downs that you have and how it's not it's not all about um yeah I guess it's it's like you have to live through all that stuff you know it's Mm. all and 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 it's kind of timeline stuff is in like it all it all happened and it all it when you have like for people who sometimes have dementia you know for them they you know they could be thinking in their heads that they're 20 20 yeah. years old and reliving these things and in a way that's kind of amazing you know uh it really reminded me of um slaughterhouse five as well you know the have you read that the kurt vonnegut book no i haven't actually oh well that's just ba- but it's it's kind of what you're talking about but from like the opposite time from the opposite way it's a lot darker but basically it's about this person who essentially becomes untethered from their own timeline by a traumatic event, you know, mm. but yeah. it's the same thing where it's just like this person, like, you know, oh, they're 20, but they're like getting it mixed up for when they're older. And then they remember things completely out of sequence, you know? Yeah. 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 So that was a bit, um, yeah. So I finished, we finished making the film and, um, mm. Uh, it got released obviously in 2017 and then it was on the festivals and everything and I uh, I started working on another project at the end of that year mm. I was started working on Wolf Walkers and uh, and then like it took a long time for the film to kind of start picking up festival screenings sure uh, so that was a bit hard uh, I don't know if people I guess people don't always aren't always aware of how long it takes or how much work goes in, but there was a lot of work going into just constantly sending the film out to festivals and yeah, it's a heartbreaker. Like you're like, getting, you know, especially the first six months, you got a lot of projections and a lot of like, uh, you know, a lot of times where you're, you know, you just don't know what's the right step to take. You're like, oh man, why, you know, nobody's that's nobody's crazy to hear. <laughs> and um. And then we kind of got a big break when we when the film got accepted to Tribeca. 
Yeah, uh, of course. Which was like the, you know, because the film board, or sorry, Screen Ireland now, they they send they send the film to certain festivals on your behalf, um, which is okay. great. They they can be expensive festivals. Oh too. yes, yeah, definitely. Like, and one of those festivals was Tribeca. So we got selected for Tribeca and that really helped to, um, it helped to give us a bit more recognition in festivals. And mm. we started to build up a bit more momentum. And then um, we won in Tribeca, which was massive for the film, uh, which was April, 2018. And then we were getting, then we started to get more festivals after that. And uh that was a big yeah, that can we, be such a demoralizing experience you know like as i know there's plenty of students as well who would be applying to places but you just kind of you know like you said it is a lot of money but also um when yeah again when you've poured a lot of work into this it's very hard to not take it to heart when uh, these yeah. things start coming back you know and it's yeah, like no, oh, it's, <laughs> it's really difficult it's really difficult yeah. uh even though you know that a lot of the times it's not to do with you know, it's it's not to do with necessarily your particular film. I mean, sure. some festivals like Annecy get something like crazy, like over 3,000 submissions or something, you know. Mm. And they're only going to, I think they, you know, I think there's 72 films in competition or something. Sure, like yeah. So, you know, you, you know the odds are going to be stacked against you, but it's still really hard. You kind of, mm. doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. Um, and yeah. I, like, I mean, when I say we apply to a lot of festivals, I mean, like hundreds of festivals we wow. applied to. So, uh, and probably got, like, I don't know, I don't know what the numbers are, but we probably got rejected for more than we got accepted to, even, wow. even after um, Tribeca. So I just mean, like, you know, I think people underestimate if you're not, you know, I do feel like if you, if you're not getting a lot of festivals and you're not, you don't feel like you're, you know, it's doing that well, just bear mm. in mind that, like, sometimes it takes a long time and other times it's like, you have to submit to so many, so many, so many. And it's not just the money of submitting, i.e. entry fees and stuff. It's also just the time, the time it takes. Like yeah. I would I'd only be doing it for an hour every week. And I was doing it for like, it was taking me hours every week. Uh, yeah. up And um, making sure all the submissions were in and, you know, huge long spreadsheets with all the festivals and all that kind of stuff. So Ugh. it was, but it's, you know, the thing is like, that's the, ba that's the other, that's the flip side. But if you don't do that work, then I also felt like all that work that everybody puts so, so much into the film, you know, all that time and energy that we had spent and everybody who'd worked so incredibly hard on it for, you know, not their normal rates and all that kind of stuff. Mm. I wanted to make sure that uh, I was making the most out of it afterwards so that like for I sure. was trying to make sure that as many people got to see the film as possible. And um, so that's kind of I felt like that was that's only fair, really. So. Yeah, it was a, it was a it was a long it was a long process uh, with the film after after we finished it. You know, you kind of feel like, oh, the film's finished now. I'm done with I'm done with that project now. Mm. But actually, you in a way you're still tied to it for a long time. Yeah. yeah. And um and then you heard about the Oscar nomination and like I guess what when did they come out? Like February? No, not February. That's when the festival is. Um well, the way it works, it's funny, right? So when we won in Tribeca, mm. that meant that we were a, we were technically uh, eligible eligible for the Oscars. So that means that when September rolled around, September 2018 rolled around, you apply officially um, mm. for the Oscars. And about 80 films, 80 short animated shorts were eligible. Uh, and then out of that 80, um, 
the branch votes on on that 80 and they narrowed it down to 10 shorts so that's a short list and the short list was announced before christmas la- uh, last year so it was announced in like december 2018 mm. so we made it onto the short list which was like it blew my mind because you know when you're up against 80 80 shorts you don't know yeah, of course and like some really big shorts some really um you know, there was two DreamWorks ones and there was Google Spotlight and there was obviously, you know, Pixar short and mm. it was just some very high profile projects on that list. So to make it into the shortlist, we're, we were delighted with. And then it was kind of a crazy month um, of trying to kind of make the most noise you could uh, yeah. about your own short. And then uh, in, in January 2019, they announced the nominations uh and then yeah and we got nominated i couldn't believe yeah. it yeah incredible that's amazing and did Crazy. you like and you like yeah i mean i just it still blows my mind it was such a it was such a we were um at the time it was such a kind of like triumphant moment for so many animators in um ireland do you know what i mean mm-hmm. because it's yeah. like you know because features are one thing almost we've kind of been spoiled because like cartoon saloon was getting nominated each time you know Mm. but then when a short came up it was like oh wow this is you know this you know what i mean it's like a real filmmaker type thing not that anyway whatever i'm yeah no but it was i mean look it was it was it was deadly and i think the thing is like with with short films like there has obviously been other you know other animated shorts from ireland nominated which is great uh but i think it had been a a little while uh oh yeah Elon's Granny O'Grim was the last one, um, but I think the other thing is that like it's uh, it's very unpredictable on the shorts. It's way I think yeah. in a way it's a lot less predictable than the main feature films because like there's so many shorts you've got no idea who what ones are noticed by people who vote or anything like that. So mm. you know you're kind of you know you can't really expect your expectation is pretty low. Well, in my mind anyway, it's pretty low in terms of like. You know, I was happy with the film we made uh, and we tried to do as much we could as we could to kind of get people to know about it. But, you know, you're up against some some serious competition there. Yeah, seriously. Really fantastic films. And like, you know, the uh, the films that were in the, the long list and the short list, there were some amazing films there that didn't make the cut. So mm. in my mind, it's it's very um, unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. To actually get nominated was like, it felt like winning the prize, you know, yeah, it, like that was sure. like, uh, I, I just didn't, I just didn't think it was even like part of me just didn't expect it, even yeah, though, yeah. you know, we knew it was, it was an, it was possible, but we just didn't, yeah. still didn't expect it really. So it was mad. It was just a big mad adventure. Uh, and yeah, and then like you, years ago now, but it was only the beginning of the year. <laughs> and you went to the, um, the festival then obviously. Yeah. Yes. Did you see any cool people? Did you see any cool guys? Cool gals? Yeah. Well, I like all the cool guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was great. I got to meet um, I got to meet a, a lot of really nice people. I had a brilliant time with the other people who were nominated on the shortlist with us. Mm. So, to be honest, all of the films, it was just great hanging out with the, those guys. Uh, and there was like, you know, there was three shorts uh, directed by women on that list. Yeah. Uh, you know it was just it was just a nice group it was just a really nice group and it was lovely and we did a lot of things together uh like you know a lot of panels and things like that right so that was cool um and i got to meet um richard williams in london oh wow 
which I and I hadn't met him before and I was just like delighted to to meet him and he was very lovely and uh, that was like a really lo- nice opportunity and I got to chat with him a good bit there mm. and um, got to meet like a lot of like you know because um, Spider-Verse was nominated as well I got to meet oh, those wow. guys and I was yeah. just love Spider-Verse so I was yeah. that was just cool it's just cool to be able to meet them and tell them that you know they've done such an amazing job and all that kind of stuff I really enjoyed there's the other kind of like crazy you know celebrity stuff where you just realize like oh yeah I'm standing beside you know there's like oh okay I'm talking to Glenn Close oh this is weird wow or you know that kind of stuff's a bit like um it's 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 kind of novelty oh yeah completely (laughs) there's novelty to it but it's sort of uh it kind of I don't know what to say to people because I don't really have anything to talk to them about. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same issue that you have just bumping into somebody down the shop. It's like, oh, wow, there they are. And then you go like, oh, I guess they're, yeah, there they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think about the handiest thing was that you could kind of say, oh, congratulations on, you know, yeah, yeah. being nominated. Uh, and then you were like, okay, that's my, that's the only thing I can really say to people. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one time it was like, if my friend's, we were just walking down the street and we saw like Ryan Tuberty. We passed him by, you know? Yeah. And uh, we were like, oh, there's Ryan Tuberty. And my, my other friend hadn't seen him. He was like, what? And then he turned around and it wasn't even like a big celebrity, but I think he was just so overwhelmed. He just went like, Tuberty! Just yelled at him <laughs> and then turned around immediately. And it's just those weird things where it's like, yeah, you're, you're like, I could probably meet somebody who, you know, no, nah, I won't go, but like, <laughs> It's just this thing where it's 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 very like it's it's surreal, but then you just realize like, oh right, yeah, like this is just a person. I don't know why I had it built yeah. up in my head, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but it was it was like the novelty of the whole thing was uh, was pretty cool. Um, oh yeah, it's got but to also be. like it was a bit it was a bit mad. Um, you know, I'm not really, uh, I'm not really one for being in front of the camera much oh, but, yeah. uh, but at the same time like I just decided to just put up with it <laughs> yeah yeah like it's just uh, essentially easier to go along with that stuff mm. and most of the time people forget about it anyway yeah. um, so I kind of was like you know okay I'll, I'm here I'll do this you know I'll do this crazy thing and uh, we'll just go to you know we'll go to the crazy events and uh we'll just see how it goes and don't like don't worry too much about it i decided not to worry too much about you know saying the wrong thing or Mm. uh you know just basically try to enjoy it while it lasted and then uh when it was all over then it was kind of uh you know it's kind of just you can finally kind of get back to normal (laughs) yeah i don't know if you heard about um maybe you saw it uh trey parker and matt stone showing up at the oscars no. Oh, like back in was must have been two thousand and one. No, was it, I don't know. Whatever year that ninety eight, the South Park movie came out ninety eight, mm-hmm. ninety nine, yeah. and uh, they got nominated for like best song in a movie basically, mm-hmm. and uh, they decided that they were going to take acid and show up uh, wearing <laughs> dresses. So they showed up, but it's it's in it's Chronicles or whatever in the documentary. Um, six is it five days there or six days there? Anyway. But um, they they talk about how the, you know, 
they didn't realize that once you go to a secondary location with acid or something that you have this kind of incredibly overwhelming experience. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, already the Oscars is pretty overwhelming anyways, obviously, you know, yeah. so they stepped out in these like dresses and there's like footage of like Joan Rivers coming up to them. Like, so what is this? What are you wearing? And all this. And I'm like, yeah. it's just such a fantastic evening. We're so happy to be here. You know, yeah. <laughs> just completely overwhelmed, you know? Yeah. It is quite an overwhelming thing. Yeah. Um, go to but like you know I mean I was again I was I feel like lucky to be going to have done it with uh, my producer Nuria oh, yeah, yeah. Um, because she was just it was just brilliant to be able to share it with her and um, and kind of like also to just be thinking like you know sometimes you just turn around and be like this is mad yeah yeah totally <laughs> you know? um, An anchor yeah um, so and you're and you mentioned earlier, which I'm now going to edit in afterwards, or maybe I'll edit it out because now we're anyway. But that you're now um, doing uh, co-directing. Um, no, the... not sorry, not co-directing, assistant directing. Oh, assistant directing. So yes. that's a different thing. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for okay. correcting me. <laughs> I appreciate. Um, the um, God, my father's dragon. Yeah. 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 Um, but would you ever be considering going back into shorts at any point or would you kind of, or, um, and, and also a feature, like, would you be directing, which is the next thing now a feature? I don't know. Yeah. So I, I love short films. Um, mm. I just love them. Uh, yeah. even, I don't mean like I love making them. I just mean, I love them in any way. Uh, I yeah. think they're a brilliant art form. Um, so I don't know, like, I would never say I, I, I generally, I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't say no to making another short film. I wouldn't say no to other opportunities like making bigger projects, but it really, mm. for me, it's all about the project and what potentially, you know, what's the opportunity in terms of like, how open can you be in terms of your storytelling? And like, could I tell the story that I'd like to do? Or is there any reason that wouldn't happen? And yeah. try and be realistic about, um, you know, animation is such a time consuming process that I want to make sure that if I'm committing to a project where I'm going to be director, whether it's a short or a bigger project, that it's something that I really want to make because mm. otherwise your enthusiasm is going to run out. Yeah. Because yeah. it gets really hard. It gets long, uh, long projects. It's long timelines that you're committing to. Um, even for shorts, it's just a lot of uh, intense, um, you know, time and energy spent uh, on a project. So I try to think more about it in terms of just like, whether it's something I want to spend that time on. Um, yeah, sure. That's how I kind of think about it. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, yeah, I look forward to seeing the movie now as well. Um, I'm really curious um, just to see, like, um, I don't know, the first collaboration really between Netflix and um, Cartoon Saloon. I know that they took the Puff and Rock episodes. I don't know if, what, if there was something there but um but yeah like a feature and also Nora is amazing so I'm always like and that's my next my I've I've set that out as a goal I want to get Nora as a guest and I know to you working with her it probably doesn't seem like that uh, you know, but I think I, I think she's she's amazing she's yeah. really amazing uh so I feel like I I've learned a lot uh from working with Nora mm. and uh it's really uh pretty inspiring um working with her on a daily basis so I don't know I feel very lucky to be working. yeah yeah no I think she's amazing I've just been very 
you know, I don't know. I'm very intimidated. That's the reason I haven't approached sooner. <laughs> so <laughs> we see her at events and be like, maybe later. And then she's gone. It's like, oh God, well, <laughs> you know, maybe next time, you know. Um, but yeah, great. Uh, thanks for coming on and talking about the thing. We have one last uh, section, which mm. is uh, whistle while you work. Just whistle while you work. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we ask you, what do you listen to, if anything, while you work? Uh, well, I would say, um, to be honest, because I'm so rarely sitting at my desk now for any length of time, mm. I actually don't really get to listen to anything while I okay. work. <laughs> uh, and if I'm sitting at my desk, I'm often doing things like writing notes or reading scripts or something like that. So yeah. I also can't listen to anything when I'm doing that. But when I do get a chance to listen to stuff, I, I like to put on... Uh, music and I generally you rather than like I, I can't really listen to podcasts and work uh, yeah. my brain just doesn't have the I don't have the capacity to do two things like that at the same time yeah um so I listen to music and uh I kind of like a lot of um uh I don't know like there's an artist called Abra I listen to her a lot and um, mm. it's kind of like sort of um well it's hard to explain like kind of dance uh but also a bit of R&B, but like sort of all this stuff yeah. mixed together, like electro stuff. Uh, so it's pretty eclectic mix. Um, uh, yeah, but I do it's like, like all music. Mind. Yeah, and I do. The other thing is I do tend to listen to some uh, Tiny Desk concerts because I like a lot of those ones as well. Mm. And I find it a good place to find uh, new artists. So I generally yeah. listen to, you know, tiny desk concerts and things like that to try and find new artists well yeah that's great um and then i'll mention i'm listen. i'm there's a song i've meant to mention the past few times it's called uh mod gone by mm. good lord i put it in my memos car seat headrest um so that's a really good one and um as for podcasts um I don't even know if I should recommend podcasts anymore because all of my ones are just like I'm obsessed with an un- unhealthy obsession with um, US politics and stuff. So oh. I just like listen to those constantly. Oh, I can't um, listen to any of them. <laughs> oh. The only, um, only podcasts I like uh, listening to are really um, I really like Adam Buxton's podcast. Oh, that's a great podcast. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I listen to script notes. Uh, as I well, when I have to, what's that? Is that the one? No, I'm thinking of the writers' room. Script notes. Oh yeah, I Script should notes. listen to that. Should, yeah. yeah, it's cool. It's like two writers, John August and Craig Mason, and they well they yeah. often have guests on as well. But um, I just find it interesting, like their perspective is um as you know writers in LA. Yeah, um, of course. It's just interesting to hear. You know, they there's lots of different things they've talked about. So I like mm. that. But like I said, I don't really have um a very little time anymore because. Because I live in Kilkenny, I don't have yeah. a kids or anything. So there's no like um, sort of downtime <laughs> where, all, you know, you can read a book or listen yeah. to podcasts while you're commuting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, okay, cool. Oh, yeah. No, I thought of a good one. Um, the Journal have a podcast called The Explainer. I just found that. And they had released oh, an yeah. episode about um, RTE's finances there recently, which I was listening to on the way into college today. Um, I'd recommend giving it a listen. Um, I don't know much about the quality of the other episodes because I haven't really 
you know branched out yet but uh, i'm looking forward to giving it a go so um that's us um you can uh, where can people find you if you want to be found yeah um well i have uh, a twitter account and an instagram account uh just um on twitter my handle is elbuga mm. is there <sighs> any reason for that now. what yeah you can't change it now I was yeah. just gonna ask what is there any reason for that <laughs> it's it's very old it's like when you're 15 years old and you join the internet and that's yeah. your handle you pick even though it's before twitter but anyway yeah. uh so that's where I am on online uh mm. I don't post up very much stuff anymore so yeah. um but that's where you can find me okay cool and you can find us at we are hacking at most things except for the soundcloud which is of course at hacking we also have a patreon where we've uh, uploaded a single uh, a juicy ep- 30 minute episode maybe i'll go on and mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, shite on for a little bit to make it more worth your while but i also think the podcast as it stands is probably worth about two euro a month so if anybody wants to do that please do also um will i announce it here i think i will because i want to ask you one last thing as well because uh, yeah. it just came to mind um these uh, the next hack um screening is going to be the 11th of december in the workman's club and the theme is christmas it's going to be called um hack the halls so um louise bagnell a lover of shorts do you have any suggestions for christmas shorts that i should hunt down christmas shorts oh i don't know (laughs) yeah oh i'll have to think about some i'm sure there's some i'm sure there's some winter wintery themed ones there's probably a lot of very um dark ones that are set in like snowy places and stuff Mm -hmm. like Um, a good one Hmm. a good one a psychological i think it was a graduation film and it was like I'll have to track it down now. But it was yeah, something. please. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Thanks so much. Yeah. Um, I'm going to hassle you for that later on. We uh, we have a final... I, I don't know if... It, I think I removed it online because I, I wanted to... I, I do have a Christmas short myself of uh, the combat action teens, the characters that I animate with every now and again. So cool. you can look forward to that. Um, but until next time... Um, I was about to do Adam Buxton's thing. No, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the best. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, see you soon and uh, bye. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>